0: Seconds to go, 24-23 Saints. Vikings at their own 39, it's third down. Three receivers right, Field and left. Marshawn Lattimore, 12 yards from Adam. Case on a deep drop, steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side, caught by Diggs. Stay the oh, oh my God, oh my God! 30 no 10. Touchdown! To the end zone, no false us over ten toes, no half hard. I'ma hit you with a move that you can't guard. Kick-off, let's go! This is where your Climbing the Pocket Networks, personalities, and guests get together to talk about your Minnesota Vikings. So it's time to... Let's go! Alright, alright,
1: well here we are. It is the first, the inaugural, the numero uno, CTP Video Roundtable. Uh, we probably should have prepared a little bit better for this show, but that's not really what we do around here. We are just going to see what happens with this thing and let the magic happen organically. Here we have myself, Jason Brown. I am joined by the two people I'm normally joined with, two of the smartest gentlemen on all of Vikings Twitter. We got Dr. Eric Eager. We got Nick Olson. And rounding out the roundtable, we have some of the other members of Vikings, of us, excuse me, of the Climbing to Pocket family. We got... Flip Mozzie coming through with the unwavering support for all 53 members of the Vikings at all times, except for every now and again when quarterbacks make him upset.
2: We got <laughs> Ed
1: repping for the scolders and we have the man in the truck. We have David Stefano holding it down, keeping us on track, and really orchestrating and putting this whole thing together. But let's go. Let's see how this thing works out, and we're going to jump right in. And I'm going to start here with Nick. I need one word from you to describe how Kirk Cousins is playing right now.
3: MVP. Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Is that one word? It's three letters. It's an acronym.
1: (laughs)
4: That's how you start a podcast.
1: I am. MVP. Okay, elaborate on that one a little bit. Is, Is this a real take, a hot take? Where are you at? Is Kirk Cousins really in the MVP discussion
3: for you? I think when you look at the results, he is definitely up there with any other quarterback in the NFL right now. He's first in passer rating. He's first in yards per attempt. He's second in adjusted nets yard per attempt. He's third in expected points added per play. He's, I want to say fourth in PFF passing grade. So all of that is very good. However, I personally think uh, Stefanski is the real genius here and he's the one um, turning Kirk into something a little bit a little bit better than we've come to expect from him. So, I really like what I've seen from Stefanski. Kirk is 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 doing a really good job on his own. But um, as far as like the actual legitimate not trolling on Twitter MVP conversation, it's probably Russell Wilson, maybe Dak Prescott, maybe Rodgers is up there too. Okay, Eric. Yeah. Why,
5: I- Kirk Let's Cousins. not forget about Lamar. I think Lamar Jackson's also in the conversation, but I absolutely do not disagree with the fact that Kirk Cousins is, is in the conversation very similar uh, to 2016 Matt Ryan in that, you know, we have an up and coming young offensive player using a lot of play action heavy sets to elevate a quarterback to uh, league leading stats. So uh, it's not a terrible take.
1: So, Eric, uh, to come back to you, because one of the things we see a lot, obviously, pro football focus, you take your share of heat. Um, and before Kirk Cousins started playing the way he is right now, you know, there were some risk indicators to, to how he played, some things that uh, maybe we hadn't seen him sustain this sort of play throughout his careers. And so you weren't as high on him as maybe some fans would have preferred that you were. But now that grading from pro football focus is maybe matched up with where fans thought Kirk Cousins was all along. What are your feelings on things? Do you feel uh, remorse or sadness for those old takes? Do you update the model and kind of move forward? How much has your priors on
5: Kirk Cousins changed based on what we're seeing him do right now? No, I mean, I think, you know, the, the thing about it is, is, you know, last season happened, right? And we saw last season be what can happen when a player like Cousins doesn't have the infrastructure that's necessary to succeed. Um And that is never, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And that, and that's, and that's, you know, we saw what could happen. He could put up good statistics, but ultimately come up small when the things, you know, when the schedule became difficult uh, and and the times became tough. And then earlier this season, we saw the same thing when the offense was trying to run the ball too much, when they were trying to, you know, throw the ball short, uh, you know, not really emphasize what Cousins was good at, played poorly the last three games. Uh, and to some degree, the Atlanta game as well as the Oakland game, when the when the offense has played to his strengths, you know he throws one of the nicest deep balls in the NFL, and it really accentuates the things he does well. Uh, Stephon Diggs has you know emerged again as one of the league's best receivers. Adam Thielen already was there. Irv Smith is a terrific. Uh, you know, acquisition for them and Garrett Bradbury's played better over the last few weeks. And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, simply just playing to the team's strengths offensively. So, um, no, I mean, our opinion was always, our opinion was always okay. Like John D. Filippo is a question mark. Pat Shermer was terrific. And if you look at all the statistics as well, Pat Schirmer ha- has remained good for the Giants. He just doesn't have a whole lot to work with. Uh, and so, you know, if we can assume good things out of out of the offensive infrastructure, we can uh, assume, you know, plus play out of Cousins. And a last
1: thing for you, Eric, when you see the Vikings really deploying that really play-action-heavy attack, uh, does that feel like vindication? Like, how does that work? If you're on one side of, uh, you know, hating on Kirk Cousins, but then the team starts to deploy an analytics-friendly type of game plan that is is successful— how does that make you feel? Where do you come in? I guess what is the argument that you come out
5: of that with when you are t- catching flack for for previous takes on uh, on twitter.com? Well, I and to be fair, I don't think I'm catching a whole lot. It, it, I think people have seen that like this is exactly I mean, we never said he was garbage. We just said he you know he can look like garbage when the situation isn't great. but you know, it's exactly what you see where like they're you know in terms of net yards per play, they're first in the NFL, but they're only fourth. When he when we look at his PFF passing grade, I think you can sort of settle that with saying, okay, well, play action sort of makes every single quarterback better, no matter how good or bad they are. Uh, and so, you know, that that gap there between first and fourth is basically attributing uh, to the offensive scheme, sort of, uh, you know, the plus play that we're seeing. So. Um, you know, that's kind of where we're at. And again, the Vikings are doing a lot of things smart. They're, You know, they're they're running the football on third. And, yeah, I can't remember who was saying it, whether it was Collar or whomever, but their third and shorts are, are, are always a first down for them because they can run the football to the best back in the league. Uh, and then they're using the, you know, the plus players that they have uh, at the receiver position to, uh, you know, to accentuate, as I said, Kirk's, uh, you know, Kirk's abilities there.
1: Awesome. And Ed, just to get you in here,
2: one word kirk cousins confident he's playing with confidence right now <clears throat> you know you look at the beginning of the year it didn't seem like he was too confident in some of the throws that uh, they were asking him to make and and maybe part of that is Stefanski calling more aggressiveness um trusting him more but he's playing with confidence he's he's getting some of those aggressive plays to hit and uh you know, if you can keep that going through the season, you're going to end up with a lot of wins at the end of the season. Um, so it's just about stacking it up, keeping that confidence high, and just trusting Kirk to get it done because I think he can do it.
4: All
1: right. And Flip, bring me home, man. One word, Kirk Cousins.
4: Uh, balling. Just okay. Out there <laughs> playing at his peak Kirk Cousins level. I didn't watch all of his Washington film, but I- – it feels like he's playing the best football of his career, and that's really exciting for a Minnesota Vikings offense that needed it. You know, a lot of the quarterbacks in the league right now are, are great are great players, but they're not quarterbacks who are going to succeed in every situation and every offense, and that's true for someone like a Lamar Jackson all the way down to a guy like uh, Andy Dalton. Even Matt Ryan is better in some schemes than he is in others. And so what's so exciting about Kirk Cousins is we spent a lot of time talking about what he needs to succeed and what he needs to play at the level he's currently playing. They put all of that in place with the new offensive coordinator, uh, with with a scheme that's going to move him away from pressure, that's going to get him away from his bad tendencies, and he's finally playing to that level, making good on that promise that if you put him in the right scheme, he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He's balling.
1: All right. So, Flip, I'm going to go back around the the circle. But we're going to start with you here. So, uh, do you think Kirk Cousins is a fundamentally different player than he was a month ago? Because uh, I know that there was times where, like, eh, uh, you know, bad Kirk might come out, you know, situations might get tight, and Kirk might do something a little crazy. I know Eric had talked about some of the stats on uh, on the pocket protectors where, like, Kirk Cousins is very risk averse, but when he did make mistakes, they were really big mistakes. And we haven't seen a lot of that lately. Which Kirk Cousins is the real Kirk Cousins as you're seeing things? Do you think it's still the same guy or the scheme is is doing just a a masterful job of maybe masking some of those uh, those tendencies that had made us nervous a bit earlier in the season?
4: Yeah, I think he's still the same guy. I think he's finally been put in an optimal situation Uh, It's harder to put him in a scheme than, you know, maybe some other quarterbacks in the league. But when you talk about the play action, when you talk about the run game, moving him in the pocket, it's all things that Kirk Cousins does well. So he's just finally playing up to that ability. Uh, it, It takes, you know, with how the preseason works with four games going into the year, most teams, most offenses go into the year rusty. And it, it, there were definitely some kinks to work out. There will definitely be some adversity, you know, going forward. But after those four games, we saw a Kirk Cousins that wasn't completely in sync, that did not trust his offense and not trust those receivers downfield. And over time, it just finally clicked. And, and he's going there now. And so it's the same guy. He's just put in a position to succeed. The Vikings need to continue putting them in that in that position,
1: right? And uh, and Ed, I know that you've been among the more optimistic folks. I, I would say as as it comes to to Kirk Cousins, especially within uh, the the CTP group chats and things like that. Is there anything as we as we kind of wind this thing forward that does maybe? Uh, give you a little bit of nagging doubt as you kind of see how things would play forward with Kirk Cousins. Is there anything that's still making you a little bit nervous about things or are you completely in both feet completely bought into that? This is the guy, this is the Kirk Cousins we're going to see going forward.
2: The one thing I'm always looking at is um, outliers versus who he is like, baseline. So you look at Kirk Cousins, you see a lot of his baseline in Washington. You see last year, you see first couple games this season, and it's all that kind of waffly, not quite confident, doesn't quite make the throw exactly where it needs to be, um, ends up having way too many negative plays, and then now you see this outlier, this last three games where he's playing out of his mind, and I'm just wondering why. Is is that because like a uh, flipside is in the system, it, it's it's being called correctly, it's getting him away from those negative tendencies, and actually playing to who he is as a quarterback, or is he just having an outlier little boost? That that's what I'm concerned about. Um, so. That, that's what we're going to see going forward. We're going, to, we're going to get an answer to that, but that would be my concern. Is, is this is just he's playing on his mind because he got pissed off one game, or is it, um, you know, he's he's actually in the system and Zimmer kind of released a lot more control of the offense, so now they can be more aggressive. What, what is the actual answer there? We don't know. Hopefully we'll find out here in the next couple of weeks.
0: As far as Cousins play, I think something happened after that Bears game, and there was like Ted surmises a come-to-Jesus meeting where something was said, something was aired out because things have changed visibly after that. Yep. And I, Cousins is yeah, riding that clear. wave. And I hope he stays that way. This will be his first primetime game on Thursday. You guys didn't mention that. It's going to be a test.
1: Do you, well, you this, guys, this is one of those primetime games where we're the reason they're in primetime, so we're not yeah, that yeah. worried about this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right, Eric. So that's a, that's a great question that, uh, that, that Ed's brought up there. When you do have a player like Kirk Cousins, he's not a rookie. There is a book on him. We do know kind of who and what he is as a quarterback. How do we incorporate this new information and, and his current level of play and the things that are being done schematically? And how do we compare what's happening now in the scheme and everything that's helping him versus what we've known of him before? And I guess maybe not just cuz he he has had good seasons before but maybe some of those 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 tendencies to make the critical mistake that you can see in the stats like how do you incorporate all those those bits of information together
5: well we know that you know negatively graded plays are probably the more most stable thing that a quarterback it, it has in his like statistics so you know for for example when we do projections we'll have that as our, one of our variables. But the thing with Cousins that's really interesting is that, you know, he's always put up pretty good counting stats. But last season, the team was in the bottom third and expected points added throwing the football. They're one of the better teams now, right? So, and, and any good handicap is going to take some of the prior data, fold it in with some of the new data, um, and, and, you know, take a combination of those things. Um, the, thing that, the thing that's going to be the added wrinkle moving forward uh, is the fact that Stefanski is... One of the best coaches offensively in the NFL. You look at Greg Roman in, in uh, Baltimore. You look at Kellen Moore in Dallas, and then Andy Reid and Josh McDaniel in, in uh, Kansas City, New England, respectively. Uh, those are the be- You know, those are some of the best. And, and so you can add to your handicap a little bit uh, the fact that he's getting a boost uh, by playing for a coach who consistently over the course of the first seven games of the year has gotten more uh, than what the players on the field would would project. So that's the little added boost that I think if you're moving forward on Cousins, you're probably going to say, okay, who has he always been? plus a little bit more and I, that's what i would expect here the nice thing about the vikings is you know as we talked about earlier uh in the in the summer the the schedule has gotten easier for them than we handicapped at the beginning um you know chicago is not strong anymore uh kansas city is likely going to be without their quarterback uh and so they have an easier road than we had anticipated all right and and eric talked about he teed you up there nick because uh you have been
1: singing the praises of Stefanski for for quite some time, and, and even in the off season, you were very excited about what the I guess the Kufanski or, or however we're saying it, the Kubiak and Stefanski marriage, how this would come together, what they would do, and, and how these schemes and, and concepts would uh would show themselves on the field. And you were very excited about this from the very beginning. And you even uh, you've hinted, you've teased that you may you know you may you may get back in there and put together an article, an ode to Stefanski, if you will, to let us know why he's so wonderful. Uh, talk to me what are they doing outside okay play action you know but what else is going on out there that is uh really helping kirk succeed to the level that he is thus far this season and i guess the next part of that is it sustainable is it something that you know teams will be able to adjust to and figure out as the season moves on to uh to put a damper on on this level of play that we're seeing from kirk cousins right now
3: I think the big thing for Stefanski, what he's said repeatedly is he wants the offense to be multiple, meaning we can show you kind of like what Zimmer does, where he'll show you the same look, but you have no idea what's coming, who's blitzing, who's dropping back into coverage, uh, where your hot read is going to be, if he's going to be doubled, if he's going to be single covered, if it's zone man, whatever, Um, being multiple. And with Stefanski, it's Irv Smith is on the field. You don't know if he's going to you know, drive block uh, an edge off the, into the ground or if he's going to go downfield on a play action shot 20 yards downfield. Stuff like that. You don't know if C.J. Ham is going to get the fullback dive or you're going to play action to him for a touchdown throw. So uh, it's, it's really that unpredictability where teams aren't able to key into whether they're going to run, whether they're going to pass. And they're, they're passing to set up the run and they're running to set up the pass. And you're seeing Kirk Cousins, you know, I, I forget exactly where, I think he might be second in the league in play action passing percentage. You talk about, is that sustainable down the road? I think it is because I think Stefanski has shown that he wants to lean into it when it's working. And right now it's really working. And we know that play action is, you know results in about two yards extra per attempt. And it's a really safe way to buy time for routes downfield without giving your quarterback, putting him in, in more pressure situations. So there's a lot of, uh, it, it's tough to necessarily key in on one specific like passing route concept. I mean, we've seen like a lot of like three level floods and stretches and um, sort of shot to play action, Yankee concepts, shot plays. And obviously there's the foundation is the outside zone and everything that builds off the outside zone. Um, but you're seeing, um, you know, the outside zone of Dalvin Cook and a substantially better, uh, you got to give credit to, to Rick Dennis, that a substantially better run blocking this year, especially compared to last year. And that's setting up Kirk Cousins in the play-action game, which is further setting up holes because they don't know if they're playing the play-action or they're playing the run, and it's all sort of molding together, and it's it's creating this offense that's able to beat different teams in different ways. Whether it's feed Dalvin Cook because Atlanta can't defend the edge, or whether it's keep uh, have having play-action shots with Kirk Cousins because the Lions, you know, refuse to to bring an extra safety out of the box. So. Uh, you're seeing Stefanski and Cousins really teaming up to beat teams in a lot of different ways, and it's exciting to see, and I do think it's sustainable.
1: Okay. All right. Well, there it is. And you teed up really the discussion that we wanted to have all along oh so perfectly because Kirk Cousins, he's our $84 million man. Last season, eh, didn't work out the way we'd like to. This season, as we said at the very beginning, he's playing at MVP levels. He's in that discussion. He's in that conversation. And as I think all of us would agree on uh, on this podcast and this uh, on this conversation right now is that having a quarterback playing at this sort of a level is really the most uh, kind of predictive, sustainable type of way to have a team be successful week over week, year over year. And so let's roll this thing forward. Stefanski finishes the season with Kirk Cousins in the MVP discussion. Somebody is going to call and try to take him away from us. Like that is a given. We know that's what's going to happen. People were trying to get them to be – I mean, Shermer tried to get him to be his OC just this past season, but someone's going to try to make him a head coach if Kirk Cousins continues the season playing the way he is right now. So, Nick, I'll start with you on this one. Um, If that happens, what should we do? Should we keep Stefanski here with the idea that we will keep Kirk Cousins playing at an MVP level, which theoretically should keep us in the conversation for one of the best teams in the NFC and give us a chance to go on and do things in the playoffs year over year or should we you know stick with Zimmer which we know will have us be a pretty good team but we'll be a lot more inconsistent year over year because yeah maybe the quarterback thing will continue riding that roller coaster that we've been on and we know that yeah we might make the playoffs but we'll probably go home in the first round or we'll just miss the playoffs altogether but we'll never be so bad that we're going to you know franchise-changing type of pick? Basically, we're going back to being the AP-led Vikings again because we have a defense and maybe a running game. Which one of those
3: options should
1: we take if we're looking at the best thing for the franchise moving forward? Yeah, it's a great
3: question, and it's a really tough one because I think in a vacuum, an elite offensive play designer and play caller adds more value to a team than an elite defensive play caller. I think it's better to have a Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay or an Andy Reid, or Sean Payton, somebody who can consistently uh, bring out the very best in your offense, than it is to have an elite defensive play caller like a Pete Carroll or a Bill Belichick or whoever, just in a vacuum, just because defense is so much harder to sustain than offense. Uh, and that's for a lot of reasons. I think, however, in this specific situation, we have so much evidence to, to suggest that we can be very confident that Mike Zimmer is an elite defensive player play designer play caller he's just very very good at his job and if you remember the days before mike zimmer uh, it's really hard to win when you know you know talk about sean payton you know three years in a row had one of the best offenses in the league and he had three straight losing seasons because his defense was that bad and when you're an elite offensive play caller you just don't have much control over what your defense is going to do and so that would be the concern if we let someone like Mike Zimmer out the door is that defense would go back to being terrible. We we'd go back to, you know, sweating bullets on third downs rather than being like, OK, we got this. We can clamp down. Um, so it's, it's tough. Um, at the same time, Stefanski is doing so well. I will say, St- if I can just nitpick with Stefanski, and this is it's a, it's a nitpick because Pat Shermer was fantastic, but he did the same thing, too, is Stefanski runs way too often on second and long, second and 10, does it all the time. <laughs> He like he's one of like the top five <laughs> play callers. Find somebody NFL who loves league. you that much. And and it's it's infuriating because it leads to a lot of failed drives and and three and outs and it's 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 such an easy way and especially for somebody who is like uh, padded up as like an analytics guy it's such an easy way to increase your drive efficiency and the other thing is he's literally last in the league in in fourth down. Uh, play calls like he just he'll punt on every single fourth down so far so um, this is something that you know Doug Peterson first and a lot of the rest of the NFL you see, seen it with Belichick or Josh McDaniels I suppose uh, they're going for it on like fourth and, and four or whatever on when they're between like the 50 and the 30 yard line not quite field goal range and Stefanski just refuses to so those if I can nitpick those are two things um, the reason I would say in this specific situation even though I think offensive play callers are more valuable that I would stick with Zimmer is one, I think um, Gary Kubiak could take over as offensive coordinator, and there you'd have um, a a very easy transition because he's already assistant head coach. It's already like a Stefanski-Kubiak situation. They're both in there. They're both designing the play. So I think that would be a seamless transition there. And I I think the other part of it is we, we just can't be very confident that Stefanski is at quite the level of, say, Andy Reid because we had so much... Um, you know, Pat Shermer is a great play caller, and he what he did with Case Keenum was fantastic. But you're seeing him struggle in with the Giants just because of the situation there and the personnel that they have. So I, I'm not sure that if we let Zimmer out the door, that Stefanski would continue to replicate what he did. You know, even like Kyle Shanahan after you know his first year in Atlanta, he was struggling. So it's it's, it's it can be tough to be confident that Stefanski is going to be this elite level play caller every year beyond this year. So I'd stick with Zimmer, but it's a okay. tough. Okay.
1: All right, Eric, and where are you at with it?
3: Stefanski and
1: the O, Zimmer and the defense. You have to make this decision for the future of
5: the franchise. What are you doing and why? We've seen this uh in history only a couple times. I think even back to the Paul Brown Bengals, uh, they let Bill Walsh go, uh, and hired somebody else. I can't remember exactly who they hired, uh, and let Bill Walsh go. Um and we but even in like recent times we saw you know, it fail in Tampa Bay when they, you know, let Lovey Smith go and and signed up Dirk Cutter uh, because he was the next up and coming great offensive mind. Uh, that wasn't a particularly uh, sound, you know, a result. Um, but we've also seen like the counterfactual where in Atlanta, I think everybody would, would assume that if, you know, Dan Quinn was allowed to leave uh, and Kyle Shanahan took over as their head coach, they probably wouldn't be in the situation that they are, um, you know, uh, that's the tough thing with defensive coaches is that, you know, we, what, what we saw, what we've seen in Atlanta, and I'm not going to put Dan Quinn on the sort of the same level, uh, as Mike Zimmer, but like that defense was good enough to get to the super bowl and get a 25 point lead in that game. Uh, and you know, a couple injuries here and there, a couple players falling off and that defense is unplayable now. Um, so in my mind, if Stefanski can get cousins to a position where the Vikings are competing for a super bowl title again, uh, I think you have to seriously consider uh, that have handing him the keys and, and, to me, that's just because with, with Zimmer, there's always this issue of, you know, the when the play caller leaves, we have to flip a coin as to whether or not the offense is going to be good again. And even though the defense is always sort of in this band that includes good, uh, that doesn't always translate to wins. Every single even year, they're about 500. Every single odd year, they're good. <laughs> uh, and so, like, and their defense is always good. So, you know, I, as Vikings fans, you know, you think about you've been following the team for 20, 30 years. You're not really concerned about being 11-5. Five, you want to win a super bowl at this point and i think uh you have to increase the variance in order to do so
1: all right flip Yep. flip 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 where are you at because i see you here you're, you're you're nodding your head sometimes you're shaking your head you're agreeing and then you're catching to... yourself agreeing and being like i don't know if i should be agreeing where are you at with this whole thing zimmers the because i know you you had a bit of fire in your belly when we were talking about this thing in the group chat the other day where you at man
4: why? Why do we do this? We do we do digs versus feeling. We do roads <laughs> versus Waynes. It's always got to be no matter no matter when we have two nice things, we got to choose. We got to only pick one of them. Uh, there is a caveat to this discussion, and and I think what most of us have been assuming is that if if they keep Stefanski, if they promote him to head coach, that Kirk Cousins is. I, extended, I would assume uh, and I don't, I'm not sure that's the truth. I think you got to ask yourself, does Kevin Stefanski know how to draft another quarterback? Does he know how to win when the quarterback gets injured? Or is it just a, is it just a, you know, something where he's hit fire building the right scheme for the quarterback he has. Uh, but it's obvious where I lie on this. I don't see any reason to ever force Mike Zimmer out When the team's winning, Uh, he's brought us more success than we've had in a long time. There's this idea that he doesn't know how to read a spreadsheet that every (laughs) every second and long run is Mike Zimmer's fault and every fourth down punt is Mike Zimmer's fault. But, you know, all the analytics driven success we're having is Kevin Stefanski's. I don't think that's the case. And, you know, if Kevin Stefanski wants to leave. One of the things we always do about these coaching positions is we assume that all head coaching positions are created equal. If Stefanski wants to leave to Washington, be saddled with a quarterback he didn't draft or, you know, go to Miami. I mean, I mean, let the guy go while we chase championships here. Hopefully he'd want to stay if that's the only places that are giving him interest. So you keep Zimmer, you you let Stefanski, you know, you know, look at his career and what he wants to do with it and you know hope he stays i'm fine if he walks
1: you're right there flip all money is not good money as teddy showed us when he turned miami down to go and be a backup quarterback in new orleans (laughs) that uh yeah things would be going a little bit different in the discussions about (laughs) teddy bridgewater and his career had he chased the bigger money to go to
5: miami so that is a that's a fair point yeah, How do we and, know Teddy wouldn't have that team at 500 right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we we don't know this.
4: <laughs> also, I mean, you think Matt Nagy wants to go back and and coordinate in KC right now, or do you think he's happy in in Chicago right now?
5: Well, but the, and Flip, you make a great point. However, they almost always go and be the coach of Chicago. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like they never learn, right? Like, oh. and and right, like. I, I could be wrong and there could be coaches like Eric Bieniemy very much could have turned down head coaching jobs. Uh, but, and we don't know that. Right. But like they, I agree that the right move for Stefanski might be to turn down the, the jets job. I mean, I'm watching the jets right now, jeez. And then, so like, <laughs> like the, this jets job might be open again and it might be a good idea for him, you know, for Stefanski to turn it down. But like we know how pe- these these dudes operate, man, they're competitive, they want to be one of the top thirty two, right? And they're yeah. like they they'll go they'll go there, man, and they' a lot of them are,, uh, I would say arrogance the wrong word, but confident enough to think that they can turn around even the jets, right? So that's that's my only pushback is like I agree that in hindsight it would make sense like for all the for many of these men to stay in the position that they're in it's just not necessarily what ends up happening
4: true i i say one guy who learned his lesson was Josh McDaniel you know you saw mm-hmm. him go off on his own and then you know 8 years later he's turning down the Colts head coaching position to go and chase Super Bowls in New England so yeah it's it's a tough one but i'm keeping with Zimmer and it, it's Stefanski, if he wants to leave and he fails, I'll welcome that man back with open arms.
1: <laughs> All right, Ed, bring us home. Because when we talked about this, you, you didn't seem really sure. You you are kind of on both sides of this one. Have these gentlemen swayed you to one side or the other? How are you feeling about it, man?
2: Co-head coaches. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I think I, I really like the point of that. Even if he's offered head coaching gigs, it doesn't mean he's going to take them. I mean, you look at some of the jobs that are likely going to be open. I think Atlanta has got a good chance to be open. I'm not sure you actually love that situation walking into that. I mean, you're in kind of a seller cap nightmare there. Um, You, we talked about the jets. That one might be open. Do you really want to walk into that situation? I'm not sure either. Or do you stay here where you know what you got? You got a good defense, you got good playmakers, you build up that resume, maybe a bit more. So now you can actually leverage that going forward. Um, I mean, this is his first year as full OC, I understand the whole competitive thing, but he's been here his entire coaching career. Why would you just want to go and throw that away? So, you know what? He might get looks if it continues to go the way we want it to, but I don't think there's there's a strong indication that he would necessarily leave. So, you know what? I think he's going to stay. Even if he gets looks, I think he'll stay. And going forward, we'll have him for at least another year. And maybe in 2020, if you see Cousins continue the success, if he continues the entirety of this year, then maybe you talk about extending Cousins and you talk about the, the succession plan of Zimmer and transitioning to Stefanski, if he proves it. But right now, both these guys, both Cousins and Stefanski, they're relatively unproven. we got to see more. Hey, the deal with Stefanski
0: is we don't consider, one, the NFL allows OCs to interview if they're asked to, right? We don't have any control over that. But we don't also consider that the best owners in the league, the Wilfs, may just back up a truck and say, stay here. We'll pay you. There's no salary cap for coaches.
5: Right. Yeah.
4: Good point. So, Kirk has
2: paid 28000000 million. Let's pay him $28 million.
4: I'll <laughs> if, if Stefanski's in Washington next year, I'll I'll be so upset. I, I, the,
0: I, I think yeah. I think I agree with you, Flip. You don't give get rid of Zimmer, but I think Zimmer oh, will I, have a say and try to influence him if yeah. if that happens, and bring in the Wilfs.
1: And Flip, I know that was one of the points you were making there. So, like, yeah, let's say this this rolls forward, and and Stefanski and Kirk give you give you two seasons of of top level play. Are, are, are you still on the same side of this one, or, or does it start to shift things for you a little bit?
4: On Stefanski or on Cousins? On
1: both. If they, if 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 Kirk plays like this through the end of next season, uh, would you want to keep he and Stefanski together, or or at that point are you still riding with with Zim all the way?
4: Can I can I pass to Eric on the do we <laughs> <and> Kirk Cousins <Evans laughs> part? <laughs>
5: Right. That's the hardest thing, right? Because they they have built a floor for Cousins. There's no way that Cousins takes less than what he got in the first deal. Right. They either move on from him or they uh, they extend him for more. And there's no way he relents from the fully guaranteed again. Right. So i don't know man i wonder what the vikings are hoping happens right because you have to think that internally they had already sort of like lost all hope and were moving or thinking about moving on um and we uh, we saw washington although washington isn't a terribly well-run franchise but you saw them sort of you know move on as well even after cousins had some good seasons there uh if you take the average of how Kirk's performed in a a Minnesota Vikings uniform, I'd say he probably doesn't get extended. If you take the average of how he's performed this season, he probably does get extended. Oh boy. Yeah.
2: I'd like to jump in there. on just the fully guaranteed bit because it's a three-year contract. You're probably paying on all that, all that anyway. So the whole fully guaranteed thing, I think is way overblown for what the contract is. I mean, it's you're going to be paying him that regardless you're not going to cut him after year 3 unless he completely craters and he he didn't even crater last year so i i i just i like to just get the fully guaranteed off the table because that doesn't matter. You were going to pay him the, the three head. years anyway. You, you've been holding this one it's, for a while, though. Let it flow. Let it flow. E- everyone, is like, they harp on it. Oh, fully guaranteed. No, it doesn't matter. If if he goes down for injury, you're screwed anyway for those three years, and yeah. you're not getting that money back regardless. If, yeah. if, if he sucks, I mean, you're not going to cut him because you have no one behind him to take the place. So it's just that whole thing is overblown. I mean, I get they want the full guaranteed contracts, and it's probably going to be more, but – as long as it's a short deal, I think you can manage it.
5: Yeah, but you give yourself no opportunity to continu- have a contingency, right? I mean, like the the classic example I think about is Elvis Gerback for you know the the Ravens. They win the Super Bowl. They had like very much a Case Keenum like guy in Dilfer. They let him go. They go for they go for Gerback. And because back then, like you know, player you know the contracts were far more team oriented than they right. even are now they just let him go after one year and they move on and they draft a guy and, you know, and you know, whereas Minnesota, like again, like luckily for them, cousins appears to have turned the corner, but like, you know, what if he had not, they're still like, you know, they're a year in They're They're a year into knowing that they need a new quarterback without a year into developing a guy. And, and, and in such a purgatory in terms of the floor for the Vikings is always 8-8, eight and eight, right? So that, that means the highest you're ever going to draft is like 16th, which means that unless you want to move up, you know, and this is a sort of getting – I mean, they're not getting older, but in key spots they're getting older. You, that means you have to trade up and forego draft picks, and that means you have to, to – just to get go up and get a guy – Uh, you know, in the top five. And and that's really tough. And that's, I mean, I I agree with you that since it's only three years, it's not as saddling as some people want to think, but it does offer, Mm -hmm. it does, it does severely restrict you in many ways.
2: I'm just trying to find an example other than like Osweiler, where that player was cut and significant money was left off the table, like on a starting level quarterback to, to that kind of caliber contract. I just can't find an example where that guy was cut outright, like traded. Sure. But that's that's where I'm at with it. That, I don't yeah, know, like, I I, I don't understand your point. You. I think it yeah. just
5: limits yep. your flexibility as a team, and yeah, and I agree. We've, and we've seen that to some degree. I mean, they've really mm-hmm. luck. I mean, the Vikings have lucked out in many ways. B.C. Johnson being sort of the latest. Um, but you know, they a, again, it's one of those things where you don't have a ton of flexibility because of the guaranteedness of Kirk's contract, and that's yep. you know because you can't restructure, you can't do anything other than. Hold on for dear life and hope he improves, which to his credit he has.
4: Well, I it really forces
3: to... you to draft. Go ahead, Nick. Sorry, I don't want to cut you off, but just to no, jump no. in here, I think um, Rob Brzezinski is really up there and with like Howie Roseman in terms of like the mm-hmm. top cap structures. And I think the Kirk Cousins contract, you know, people meme about it and they make jokes about it and they take shots because Cousins obviously had a pretty disappointing year considering all the hype that went into his free agency circus, but. Uh, You have to remember, like, the reason they went into that with, like, a fully guaranteed contract is they were able to get a discount on the total amount of cap you're taking on. And it was just a calculated risk that, you know, you're able to, like, keep retain the core of the core players with hometown discounts for Hunter, hometown discount for Diggs, everybody else who you're underpaying. And then you're also underpaying Kirk Cousins, who, let's not forget, was offered more money, more fully guaranteed money from the Jets. So that was a way for Brzezinski to bring Cousins in. And then you're just taking on the risk, which actually I kind of agree with that. I don't really think it's like a meaningful – I mean, there is optionality there that you're losing, especially at Kirk Craters. But, you know, somebody like Matt Stafford, somebody like Kirk Cousins, somebody who's like a fringe top-ten quarterback, you're probably not going to end up cutting them unless something goes dramatically wrong, in which case you've got other problems. So I I think – People, people make that into like a talking point and it's like a funny talking point, but I actually think it's it's really an example of Brzezinski doing something innovative and different and taking a calculated risk that I think ultimately helped build the team better. Awesome. And Flip, uh, hop on in here. Oh, no, I think
4: you know, one thing that, that, that we have to talk about or this conversation can go so many ways, it's not just the money when you're talking about a possible Kirk Cousins extension. You also have to look at the fact that He's going, he's going to go into his 32-year-old year. He's going to, you know, he's pretty immobile. So you're extending a immobile 32-year-old quarterback for three more years, four more years, and then are you just going to keep on holding off your future for two to three more years at a time? I, I would think not. I think you have to draft a guy almost regardless, even if Kirk stays playing at this level, just because his age and his escapability from the pocket start to come into play and that,
5: right. and that and that's like a that was more feasible in like the 80s and 90s maybe even early 2000s and now right because none of these dudes like uh uh lock for De- uh, denver right? his name drew lock drew lock is a second round pick and no one thinks he's like the future in denver right um even somebody like i mean Haskins is like at the borderline there being picked 15th by Washington like they're they're certainly not like you know even the head coach there previously did not think he was the future you know, it's tough because back in the day, you used to do that all the time. Like, the Bears drafted Jim Harbaugh in the first round when they had Jim McMahon. The Niners drafted a, a quarterback in the first round while Steve Young was starting. Like, a Denver drafted Tommy Maddox while John Elway was on the team in the first round. And, like, that just doesn't happen anymore unless you're looking to replace a guy. And, and I just don't know if Cousins is the type of guy you want to be messing with in the, you know, with respect to, you know, Hey, we're drafting this guy. He's totally the guy we told you not to worry about all this kind of stuff. It's not (laughs) like, it's just, it doesn't, it's not feasible now, you know, it's just a tough, it's a tough situation. And, and, but I agree with you. I I do. I don't think that like he's considered the Vikings quarterback for the next 10 years. um, But that puts them in a really tough spot. All right. Well,
1: I feel like we got it. We got everyone's takes on the record. I guess before we get out of here, we'll go around the circle real quick. I mean, all of you have something coming out in the next little while. Nick, what you working on? What should we be looking for? What's uh, what, what should I be going and refreshing on Twitter to see you uh, pumping <laughs> out in the next couple of days?
3: I think I'm going to be writing about Kevin Stefanski's play calling and play There games. it is. But it's been fantastic, and it'll tie into a lot of this, the conversation we're having.
1: And Eric, so this will probably come out somewhere in the middle of the week. Where does that put us in the uh, PFF Eric YouTube podcast
5: release schedule? Well, you guys will all be happy because on my PFF forecast podcast that came out on Monday morning, I brought up Kirk Cousins' name as an MVP candidate. You know, it, it, does show you, it does show you that I can, I can progress uh, as a person. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And, and of course we'll have the climbing the pocket podcast that comes out, I think Wednesday morning, usually, uh, that'll be, that'll be a lot of fun. Always cool to hang out with you guys, um, and, and chat ball, uh, we've PFA forecast comes out on Thursday. Um, so all of those things, uh, uh, this week. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty excited, you know, Thursday, obviously the Vikings play They're huge favorites. Um, they'll probably be without Adam Thielen. Uh, Washington has been a feisty underdog at times this year. They covered the spread yesterday. They scored just enough points to cover the spread, uh, against the 49ers. So, um, I don't know. I, I do think that, you know, Zimmer tends to sort of step on the head uh, of these teams that, that are, he, he's huge favorites over at home. Uh, but there is always that Buffalo game lurking in the background. So, uh, I'm, I'm excited for the game and, and maybe we'll write about it as one of our spread picks for PFF on Thursday. Forget the Buffalo game. It
1: has no bearing on this year. Lean into it, Vikings fans. We are a good team. We're blowing out the bad teams this year. Lean in. Embrace it. Embrace. Embrace it. Embrace the good. Embrace the good. Because if the bad happens, it's going to suck anyway. So we might as well embrace the good while we got it. Ed.
2: Harness good. Block bad.
1: B- block the bad. But I-, I know you're working on some stuff, or you have been working on some stuff. What's going on with the sculptures this week, man?
2: Uh well so like I said we just uh we just finished recording before we got onto this, so this will probably come out um after Scolders goes. Um Mike Anderson, our our typical co host, he's in Vegas right now, probably won some money on the Vikings game. Says he typically bets them out there, so um we had uh Ted Glover of the the Good Morning Gallahorn podcast on. So um that was fun. Um other than that, I I'm always active on Twitter, I'm always talking about the cap, big cap nerd. So talk to me there i'm also always standing for my boy bradbury um (laughs) just can't get enough of that kid he's 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 getting better and better this o-line is getting better and better so if you want to talk o-line you want to talk cap just just hit me up on there
5: sweaty asses
2: oh oh yeah (laughs) sweaty asses everywhere we we might
1: have uh have to have a whole other podcast to talk about that rig you got behind you there Ed. this guy right here yeah that's it's pretty nice yeah, we we might need to have a, a whole another episode to talk about that. Hey, Flip, what, what you yeah. working on, man? What you cooking up this week? Uh,
4: what's, you know, what's going uh, on on, 15 minutes. I, I've been thinking, Jason, you and the protectors should just take an extra day and uh, <laughs> and uh, just do your show on Thursday. Do the preview show. I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll figure something out after that. <laughs>
1: okay, well we'll talk offline. Maybe that's something uh, we can figure out for you, but.
4: I honestly got no idea. You know, when you are <laughs> when you jump on the bandwagon early, I feel like if I do another podcast on Kirk, it's going to be the, the exact same thing. And um, I don't want to talk about the Redskins.
1: Why <laughs> don't you have uh, your man uh, on, and you can have a back and forth to discuss uh, the takes as to why none of this counts for Kirk Cousins?
4: Yeah, ah! yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you just get Ginkka back on and just... <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, we can also do that as well. Well, that is it. That is all, Uh, gentlemen. As always, always a pleasure, as Eric said. It's always good times getting all you together to talk bald. David, uh, thanks for for doing your thing out there in the truck and and pulling all this together. Listeners, viewers, let us know what you think. Let us know what you want to talk about uh, in in future episodes of this if you like it. And, uh, yeah, we will be back doing this soon. The group might look different, but the conversation will be just as good next time. So uh, that's it. That's all. Y'all have a good one.